In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Christ is born. The homily this morning is about Jesus Christ in the land of Egypt. And the verse I would like to focus on is this verse, And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. There's another word for that, exile, two years. The main point that I would like to make, borrowed from a popular Christmas song, and uh, maybe it will become more apparent towards the end. You don't have to be a child to love the mystery. We need a history lesson, I believe, in order to understand the Lord's flight into Egypt. St. Nikolai provides us with that history lesson. The first point being a parallel between Joseph in Egypt, the chaste Joseph in Egypt, and the Lord Jesus Christ in Egypt. When Jacob's sons, out of envy, wanted to kill their brother Joseph, did not Joseph find shelter in Egypt? And now, when Herod, out of envy, wants to kill Jesus, he finds shelter in Egypt. God, in this way, sought to repeat the same lesson to the hard-hearted Jewish people. Sometimes we don't get it the first time. Just like Joseph was first persecuted because of his purity, and become, he becomes, with God's help, the guardian of Egypt. And of his enemies become brethren. So will a persecuted Jesus become the guardian and the giver of bread, the bread of life, both in Egypt and in Israel and throughout the whole world. Now Jerusalem stones him, but in his own time, Jesus will repay Jerusalem with the heavenly bread. Amazing parallels. Now let's look at the astrologers, the, the, the wise men, the three kings. Let's think of them for a minute and Jesus Christ. Jesus is sent to Egypt because Babylon and Egypt, more than anywhere else in the world, were consumed by immorality. Babylon and Egypt, more than any place else in the world, was consumed by immorality. And he therefore sends astrologers 
from the former, that is, from, uh, from Babylon, to come and to, to see him. And he himself goes down to Egypt desiring to turn the one and the other to the path of the truth. In this way, he teaches them and us that the faithful must, from the very beginning, expect suffering. Maybe, maybe we expect when we become Christians, love, joy, peace, patience, understanding, and in a way, and perhaps in a very deep way, we receive all of those things, but sometimes we receive all those things in suffering. Not exempt from suffering. Do you remember this verse from Christ's Sermon on the Mount? What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, he will give him a stone? When we think about in this context, that verse takes on a whole new meaning. Pharaoh once commanded all the male children to be killed. But him whom God had chosen to be the leader of the Israelite people and their deliverer, Moses, Pharaoh was not only unable to kill him, but unwillingly he took him into his court where he fed him and educated him. Unwittingly. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was saving the people of Israel, not killing the people of Israel. Now, Herod commands the killing of all the young children in Bethlehem in order to kill the young child Jesus. But God made Jesus the leader of his people and their king whose kingdom shall have no end. Not only was Herod's hand unable to touch him whom he aimed to kill, but Herod and all the godless Jerusalem had already become dust when the risen Christ was glorified in heaven and on earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And St. Nikolai says this to us by way of encouragement and admonition. May this also be a lesson to us that when we put ourselves in the hand of God, the hand of man cannot touch us. Here's a lesson about attitude. God once sent Israel to Egypt to seek for food, but the Israelites became ungrateful. They became disobedient. They began to abandon the purity of their faith and adopt Egyptian paganism, giving themselves over to the darkness of Egypt and Egyptian depravity. God led His people out of Egypt, giving them a leader, in the person of Moses and working innumerable miracles in the sight of his people. 
God gave them food and drink in the wilderness for 40 years. But the people murmured against Him with ingratitude and disobedience. And God led this people to the promised land, driving out all the enemies and establishing and preparing and enriching it. Enriching it. But the Israelites constantly murmured against God with ingratitude and disobedience. Now, contrast that attitude to the attitude of Christ and His mother. The Lord Jesus, on the contrary, fled through the desert to Egypt with no word of complaint. He lived in poverty in a foreign land and returned through the desert to Israel with no word of complaint, no thought of protest against His heavenly Father. He and His most holy mother and the righteous Joseph epitomized in a short period the whole history of the Israelites and their sufferings, but with hearts full of gratitude and devotion and obedience towards the Most High God. And they did this in a way, he says, as a reprimand to the self-willed and disobedient Israel and as an example to us. Now to Christ's ministry. Did not Christ begin His earthly mission? He did not begin it only at 30 years of age. We say He began His public ministry. We sometimes refer to it as His earthly ministry at 30 years of age. He began His mission at His conception, St. Nikolai says. At His conception by the Holy Spirit, He already had a follower, His mother. Was not Joseph converted to Jesus before His birth? Did not His birth open heaven to the shepherds and fill the astrologers, the wise men from the east, with truth and prayer and immortality? Did not Herod, together with the hardened leaders and scribes of Jerusalem, fall away from Him and fall against Him while He was still lying in the manger? As soon as He was conceived, he became the cornerstone of the palace of salvation, a stumbling block to others. And as soon as he was conceived, the whole world around him began to be divided into sheep and goats. That's a powerful ministry. Above all, Mary and Joseph were for a short time divided in their own view of Him. While Mary knew Him to be the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Joseph thought Him to be the fruit of sin. Right at the, fir right at the first. But this division, he says, only lasted for a short time. 
the angel fixed that. But the division made at his birth between, on the one hand, the shepherds and the eastern astrologers and Herod and the wise men of, of Jerusalem, not the wise men, the three kings, but the so-called wise men of Jerusalem. On the other hand, that kind of division, it never, it never stopped. It never came to an end. He was hunted from the day he was born until the day he died. A hunted man. I remember reading a couple of years ago a story in, in the news and it was talking about the birth of Christ and there was a reference in there that Jesus was a refugee. And there was a big uproar about this, this article. How dare you call Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a refugee? You know, all the letters to the editor, all the, you know, the protest. He was a refugee. He was. And so how, how might we make some application in our own lives? This has got to be more than history. It's got to be about me. Let us consider, especially on this day, that all of our sufferings, all of our disappointments, all of our tragedies are introduced into our lives somehow for our salvation and for the salvation of those around us. Let me ask you a terrible question. Do you suffer at Christmas time? Many people suffer at Christmas time. They suffer emotionally. They suffer mentally because maybe their family has been shattered. Maybe they've suffered tragedy, some kind of loss. There's an empty seat at the table. Some other disappointment. Some other argument. Some other something that's gone on irreconcilable for years. And Christmas is hard. You know who understands that better than anybody else? Jesus Christ. And so let us strive to discover the deeper meaning of our sufferings as we contemplate the sufferings of the Christ child so that we may draw near to Him with humility and obedience 
and follow Him along that narrow way from the Egypt of our sins to the Jerusalem above. You don't have to be an angel to sing harmony. And you don't have to be a child to love the mystery. And you don't have to be a wise man on bended knee. But we can all aspire to sing like the angels, to love the mystery. The mystery of His birth. Like a child, with the heart of a child, and to be wise in our adoration of the newborn King. Because the heart of this Christmas is Jesus Christ. And He is in you and me. Let us ask Him to pass through all of our body parts, into our joints, into our reins, into our heart. Let us ask Him to enlighten as one all of our five senses, and to establish us wholly in His fear, and let us ask the Savior to adorn us, to teach us, and to enlighten us. We give thanks and praise to Thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, for all You have done for us and for our salvation. Make us worthy of Thy heavenly kingdom together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is born.